I'm Max Porterfield, President and CEO of Kalinex Mines. We are uh, currently drilling out a very, very high-grade copper, gold, silver, and zinc deposit. And just outside of Flint Pond, Manitoba, uh, we've got a long history, nearly 100 years of continuous production in that community. And that's now in jeopardy with the shutdown of the 777 mine. In addition to that, we're testing some regional exploration targets to add to Rainbow in the historic deposit called Pine Bay that will be published on a maiden resource later this year. Max, thank you very much for the introduction. Uh, really nice to see you again. It's been uh, over six months that I last spoke to you uh, in December, and uh, you've been pretty busy since then. No, absolutely. We're very, very busy. We were able to put out earlier this year, uh, really the last batch of the, the 2021 drilling campaign, completed a, uh, a financing to uh, replenish the treasury, and then now deep into a 20,000 meter drilling campaign to continue on the successes that we had last year, as we were really taking Rainbow from its infancy and, and showing uh, its true potential and, and growing it through the delineation drilling and step out drilling that uh, has been taking place over the past year and a half. Part of the part of the work that you were going to be doing over the last six months, when I spoke to you last, we talked about these kind of the regional context and the, the, the fact that these VMS deposits occur in clusters and that they seem to be spatially related to um, this basal conglomerate, this kind of this coarse conglomerate breccia called Mill Rock. Um, and I see, that, I see that you've got, when, when I look at your presentation, you've got a number of um, uh, anomalies that you're, you're you've got, uh, anomalies, geophysical anomalies that you're drilling and targeting. You've got anomaly A, anomaly B, you've got target area one, two, and three. But um, before we get into what you're doing in this kind of um, drill program, during the course of the last six months, you've come out with some pretty spectacular drill results, um, including um, 37 meters at 6% copper, I think, in hole PBM138. And in PBM129, in wedge two, you got 67 meters at 2.7%. Can you just talk to me about what those results did for your program and it helped you understand things in terms of what you were looking at? Uh, yeah, so I mean, there are spectacular results. In, in terms of VMS systems, typically a VMS lens is going to average between three to eight meters true, true width. Um, you're very rarely going to get blowout zones to that extent that we're hitting in the orange zone uh, with those, you know, the wide intervals that you mentioned there. The The Really, the 67 meters is, is a joining of the, the orange and yellow zone. And the, the other interval, the 33 meters, the 37 meters, which is really 33 meters true width, uh, was was simply an orange zone intersection. So th those are indicative of uh, VMS systems. Rainbow, in general, is, is on the wider end of that spectrum. The orange zone, for example, is well over 8 meters true thickness throughout that deposit. And we have these kind of... Um, Wider intercepts is just an area that you're going to build tonnage that much more fast. Rainbow sits very steeply dipping and, and plunging, uh, makes it very amenable to an underground mining scenario uh, when you get those type of widths and, and certainly those grades. Uh, in, in terms of the grades, the grades are indicative of, of a high-grade VMS deposit in Flint Pond. Uh, that's that's why Flint Pond's made Flint Pond so special. Uh, and you, you've had companies operating there for the past 100 plus years. Uh, but, um, so, so you're basically saying that there are kind of um, a series of sub-parallel lenses at Rainbow and that you would, the, the thickest one was when you hit, went through two of, those, two of those lenses. Right, right. I can actually um, just quickly show you 
something that, to that end in terms um, of a, a cross section, if you like. And you've you've drilled. I, I remember you. Were, I remember you had drilled very deep on this prior, um, and that you were kind of filling in to kind of the, to, towards the surface. Yeah. So yeah. In, in terms of what we're doing at, at Rainbow uh, in drilling, the discovery hole at Rainbow was 900 meters vertical depth. And, and I'll just show you that and I'll show you all the drilling that, that uh, has, has happened since then. Uh, so since the discovery hole at 900 meters, uh, roughly vertical depth, we've continued to delineate rainbow and bring it closer to surface. So leading into uh, to rainbow, we were testing those chargeability ISO shells. I think I might've shown you this before. And then when you look at all the drilling we've done in Rainbow since that discovery where we stepped out up to 90, um, sorry, within 100 meters vertical uh, near surface, we're hitting Rainbow. Uh, you're seeing the stack lenses really on echelon. So there's right. the, the red zone, which comes you know right near surface. And then the, the orange zone, which is the main lens that I'd mentioned before zone. Uh, and then we're getting those wide intervals is where you're going to get a mix between the yellow and orange zone. Uh, the 33 meter intercept will be somewhere really in the heart of the uh of the orange zone here okay so okay cool. that's Got kind it. of how it all stacks uh in terms of context underground and um when it comes to the twenty thousand meter drilling program that you've got planned for this year hang on let me i'm just just looking at my notes here you've got 21 holes completed so you've done about thirteen thousand meters um right. And you've got you've done eleven holes into Rainbow, and you've got another nine planned. Is that just kind of filling in the plan, just filling in the gaps? Right. So half the campaign. So there's a twenty thousand meter campaign. Roughly half of that campaign was directly for Rainbow, uh, and that's going to be step out and infill drilling at Rainbow, where we need to fill in the necessary gaps to be able to publish a maiden resource. So all that drilling is going to be leading to a maiden resource on Rainbow. And we're also going to be publishing an updated resource on the adjacent Pine Bay deposit uh, that sits along that growth fault. Uh, and there's a historic head frame and shaft that is right be between really Rainbow and Pine Bay. The other 10,000 meters is, is earmarked and has been spent uh, and allocated towards exploration drilling on a regional basis. Uh, so again, we had two different target areas, uh, anomaly A and anomaly B that we had identified through the most recent round of drilling that we did in the last year. Uh, and then we identified three different target areas uh, along the trend between Rainbow and the past producing Centennial Mine to the south that we're testing uh, as well. So that's where the, the second 10,000 meters is going is you know hitting a new discovery with the mindset that you know Rainbow shows every indication it's gonna continue at depth. There's nothing to say that it wouldn't continue at depth but if we can go out there and hit another discovery or two uh, within that growth fault or along that trend, and then you can immediately build additional tonnage uh, closer to the surface. Uh, and if you look at the history of the camp, typically once you have your, your maiden resource, the deposits grow significantly larger as you're able to get, get, get underground and, and do more you know, deeper exploration. Uh, that's okay, indicative of all the, the major discoveries in the camp. The th thank you. There's, there's there's lots of information there. Just going back to what you started with, um, in uh, in in that section, you're uh, aiming for the maiden resource estimate uh, on Rainbow, and you're gonna you're allocating roughly ten thousand meters of this drilling program to that. How much drilling was done on Rainbow last year? 
Well, in total, we've done roughly 40,000 meters in rainbow leading into this year. Okay, and so you're gonna, so, so, so I'd say like 35,000 meters would have done on rainbow last year. Uh, so, so, so 5,000 pre, pre 2021, 35 in 2021, plus another 10 this year. So around 50,000 meters ballpark. Right. That's got a vertical extent down. I, I know you, I know you pinged it first at 900 meters, but you, the, 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 the main resource sure, is going to. really that we're doing for the resource is really going to be between the 100 meter level down to the 800 meter level or so. Okay, it's mostly going to be in the inferred category, isn't it? You might get a little bit into the um, indicated, but I should imagine that most of that is going to be in the inferred category. Right, that's correct, yes. Okay, and you you said it's mostly um, kind of eight meters thick, is that is, is that about right? For the orange zone, it's about eight and a half meters true thickness. Okay. That's the main zone between the, uh, the three of them. Okay, and the other zones are... Uh, what I don't have thicknesses? a number off the top of my uh, off the top of my head. They're okay. smaller than eight and a half meters. I'd say between four to five meters. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, just 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 so I can get and 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 the and the strike length on 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 it is is what are we talking? Is it the strike length depends on which zone. We're you're, you're looking at one hundred and thirty to one hundred and fifty meters strike. Okay. The uh, the yellow zone will have more of a strike extent, but that's not going to be in the resource. I mean. The, the main tonnage is going to be built around the orange zone. The yellow zone doesn't pick up to 600 meters below surface. Uh, and it's, you know, obviously open at depth. It, but but yeah. typically within these VMS lenses, and like you're seeing it playing on the red zone and the orange zone, which have got more holes in the zone because of where they're located, for every one meter of strike, you're going to have between five to eight times your depth extent on these deposits in flint flown because they're elongated. Okay. Well, that's that's really like Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, well, one meter strike. You said five to eight um, depth for every one meter of strike for each lens. Yeah. So you know the yellow zone starting at six hundred meters below surface, and having a strike of one hundred and fifty to two hundred meters, uh, probably around close to one hundred and fifty on that. And then that lens, you know depth potential the geochem data uh also suggested continue the depth as well as borehole em uh, on the deepest drilling at, at rainbow as indicated that it continues at depth nice i said that's a nice the resource um, within the first again 800 meters of surface yeah okay thank you and then the, the, the talking about the pine bay historical resource and the fact you're you're re re redoing have you added extra drilling to that, or are you just going back and reinterpreting? Um, so there's existing... modern holes that we have in, uh, into Pine Bay that were completed uh, in 2015. Yeah. As well as uh, we're resampling some historic drill core that we have on site at our facilities there at Pine Bay. Yeah. And then that will be an updated resource as well. Uh, and that'll be the, you know, the two, two resources that we'll be publishing this year. You've, you've given me kind of rough dimensions of, um, rainbow can you sketch out for me the rough dimensions of of pine bay uh the the pine bay is roughly a million tons historic the historic resource on it, it's 1.1 million tons of 2.75 copper uh and then you know it starts right at the lake lake bottom or lake surface uh and then goes down roughly uh three four hundred meters 
Okay, and you're not expecting a kind of a game-changing um, volumetric or tonnage change. It's just simply restating it so that you're able to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a historic resource there. That's why the head frame and shaft was uh, put there, as well as for the mineral lease. Uh, it's, it would be something that you go after if you're in an underground mining scenario. That's a take on it. Uh, you need much more engineering work and engineers involved as we get further down the process. Uh, but certainly a million tons uh, is roughly, a, you know, one year production. Uh, yeah. The, the mining scenario you're looking at. And yeah. It means yeah. To, go, to go after and uh, put on the books. Um, good. And um, talking, you mentioned that there's another deposit to kind of the southwest kind of you go from pine bay where there's a historic shaft and then there's rainbow and then then you come you said that you've got some nice target areas and there's a, a historic shaft down to the southwest is it, it have you got any data from that production or that kind of um deposit or that um that area in terms of historic resources so, so in terms of uh along the growth fault there are other mines i think that we were mentioning the, mm. the North Star mine was a very small mine, and uh, actually, let me just let me show you a quick visual, uh, kind of in the context of these mines. So, the Donjon mine, which is on our property, was very small, sixty thousand tons. So it would be way down the, this kind of list here. The North yep. Star mine, which is the other mine, again, you're, you're looking at sub million tons. As you go yep. from east to west on our property, from Donjon to North Star, by the time you make it to Baker Patton. Uh, and then, then to the cabin zone, you're looking at 100,000 tons, roughly 115,000 tons. And then the Pine Bay deposit, the back of the envelope, 1.1 million tons historic at 2.75% copper is a historic number on that. And then you have Rainbow. So as on that growth fault corridor, as you go from east to west, these deposits do get larger as you go from more distal to proximal towards the base of the growth fault. And just this is a good, I think, visual for con uh, context. This is actually a you know, source from, from HUD Bay. Uh, but this is going back to the, the regional mines and discoveries in Manitoba uh, historically. And really the takeaway here is that your initial reserve, these are initial reserves. Uh, but once you can do a, a mining scenario, the, a lot of these deposits, many of them more often than not grow two to three times their initial re reserve. Uh, certainly that was the case with the original Flint Flon ore body. You saw that with Lawler. I mean, Lawler was a discovery at 800 meters vertical depth, uh, topped out at 500 meters below surface. And then again, they drilled up what was necessary at 777 to make a production system to, you know, to continue their uh, producing there uh, when they went to production uh, and start the underground development. You can see the big resource growth there. And then Trout Lake's uh, very similar. And Trout Lake was discovered by our, our, our chairman, former chairman uh, and, and founder of the company, Mike Mazlowski. Initial resource when they drilled out was 3 million tons and it grew to 21 million tons. So at Rainbow in Pine Bay, I think collectively back in the envelope, you know, we're going to be a standout number based upon, you know, the, the, bat, the past big producers. And, and I think it really takes a slide like this to put things in context. What Rainbow is going to come out as a maiden resource, which, you know, we'll, we'll be publishing later this year. And then Aside from just a maiden resource, what can it grow to become in the future, right? It's just because it's a, a maiden resource doesn't mean that's all that's there. Uh, and as you kind of alluded to, the fact that we, you know, we're publishing the resource within the first 800 meters of surface. Thank you. Uh, that, that, that's really, really helpful. Um, can, 
you, you've got some nice photographs in your presentation of the mill rock and how important that is as a um, kind of a stratigraphic marker in the system, both at Flin Flon and at 777 and also on your properties. Um, you, you, you flicked up before we started the interview, you flicked up some nice images of um, the mill rock. Could we go back to that and just kind of have a quick look at that? Yes, certainly. So, you, and, and actually, it's a good feel for the lay of the land, so to speak, out out there. Um, yeah, I mean, especially since you're talking about kind of going from west to east and getting closer to, I mean, um, closer to seven 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 and Flintflon, because these are really close together. I mean, this is a short physical distance, isn't it? Right. So from from Mill Rock Hill, and we'll take you to the outcrop here in a second. To to the edge of um, the Flintflon open pit is 432 meters, roughly. I think mean, that's pretty specific number there, but roughly 400, and, uh, 400 meters away. And then Callanan, which tops out at 300 meters vertical depth, and then the 777, again, these are you know, dipping in a 55-degree angle in this direction underground, right? Yeah. Uh, this is the headprint that, that uh, gets it. You know, these deposits sit roughly 2Ks from the base of Mill Rock Hill. Right, and so, but, but, but kind of that, that that mill rock isn't your mill rock. That's that's no, the flint. That's the flint flint mill rock hill. We call ours Mill Rock Mountain. It's much steeper relative to Mill Rock Hill when you actually get out to these two different sites. But again, this is in proximity to, to Mill Rock Hill. So, uh, in terms of the, the course talus breccia uh, that we mentioned, this is you know the outcropping that if you're a geologist, that you know the first place to go when you're on a, on a site tour to flint flint. It is out here to Mill Rock Hill because of its importance. And as I mentioned, as you follow that growth fault, the most proximal, you know, mine to that the base of that growth fault at Mill Rock Hill is the the Flint Flon ore body here, which 62 million tons. I mean, that's what made Flint Flon put Flint Flon on the map. Uh, it was an open pit and one underground. And then as you continue along that growth fault, and kind of looking, this is looking back first, but um, you can see the the 777 head frame and then Callan and the top doubt would be in the distance. And that system would come like this. But um, right. hang on, when you talk about the distance, 400 meters or two kilometers from, from the, um, from the mill rock, are you talking about kind of a vertical distance or is it along the lateral, along the strike? A long strike. So, okay. The, so, and I'll show you, you'll see, as we go to it and show you Pine Bay, you, you'll kind of see how they connect together. But again, these will be the Mill Rock Hill will be here. And then as you go north-south is where you'll have along this, this felsic package, that sliver of yellow rocks, these deposits that sit. At Pine Bay, the base of the growth fault in Mill Rock Mountain is right here, and it goes from east-west. And these deposits sit along that growth fault corridor. So the same controls you see in Flin Flon are the same controls that you see at Pine Bay. The difference between Flin Flon and Pine Bay being, obviously you have 100 million tons here and the lack of exploration at Pine Bay uh, until we, we've come around to it, but Pine Bay encompasses the largest felsic volcanic rock package uh, in the entire Flin Flon greenstone belt that's been mapped at surface. So and what's, what's that the is distance? the host rock to 90% of the ore. And what's the distance between um, Mill Rock Hill and Pine Root Mill Rock? Well, the distance between both properties is six is sixteen kilometers, and uh, but they're it, independent it, of each other. Are, are they folded 
I mean, is, is, is that a, a big fold that I can see there or is that? Um... No, there is big folds in the area, but those are not connected. These are two separate events. The area okay. of Pine Bay is really analogous to the Chisel Lake Basin, which is in the Snow Lake area, the Plinthlong Greenstone Belt, uh, that hosts the Lawler Discovery, uh, the Lawler Mine, okay. Okay. Uh, and then many others. So in the Chisel Lake Basin, you've got a, a very large felsic pile. You have all that alteration, and then you had some smaller deposit in mines like the Chisel uh, Chisel Mine. And then ultimately okay. there was a missing giant that ultimately ended up being the Lawler. Waller deposit. So you have the, the pedigree has always been there at Pine Bay, uh, and and really we're piecing together, uh, you know, the exploration dots, so to speak, to find the missing the, the missing giants. That's what we're missing looking for. Giants, right? yes, on the property, and I, I do believe there's more than one. If you look at Pine Bay now, our our outcropping is called Mill Rock Mountain because it's more yep. steep when you get out there. And yep. if you look between Mill Rock Mountain to Rainbow, that's 1.7 kilometers. So in many ways, yep. it's analogous to the top of Callanan, which we yep. roughly, uh, roughly two kilometers from the base of the growth vault or, or Mill Rock Hill. And Rainbow sits 1.7 kilometers. Yep. As you go further to the east, you can see, again, the Pine Bay deposit and a million tons historic, then Cabin, Baker Patton. And then as we talked about earlier on that, that info, uh, that this slide, yeah. The North Star in the Donjon mine. So all this, the exploration that's been done historically, and I can show you that if you look at all the drilling that's been done in the area, not been done in the area, has been all really focused at the base, not at the base of the growth fault, but over here because of the map, map alteration that was on this land. And of course, you can't map alteration under lakes, uh, but that was really what got everyone excited historically that explored the area was big alteration package mapped in this area. Uh, okay, but, but you, 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 and, your yeah. basic thesis is that um, west of Rainbow, going towards the Mill Rock Mountain, they've got that 1.7 kilometers, which could potentially host the the missing giant. And presumably on the other side of the Mill Rock Mountain as well, you've got another um, uh, attractive domain. To, yeah, to the south, there's another set of Mill Rock as well, that we have multiple growth faults on our property. So this is the main controlling growth fault. Uh, to the north, which is with Mill Rock Mountain that controls these deposits. From an exploration potential moving forward from a regional exploration potential, aside from Rainbow, we're focusing in this immediate area, as well as to the south uh, in this area. Yeah. And along okay. this trend. So these are where these targets would be along this trend, where you have the sourdough deposit and the Centennial Mine would be further to the south of that. Um, can you talk to me a little bit now about kind of the, the anomaly A, anomaly B? Because um, in your most recent news release, you talk about, you say that you've done um, some drilling at anomaly A and B, but the, the drill and those, those holes are being assayed, but you're going to go back and you're going to go and put another hole, at least one more into anomaly B. And you say that you've gone into target two and you're definitely going to go back and drill that because you saw some good results, good looking geology, but you haven't got the results yet. Right. Right. So we, um, I'll just, I can just show you the, this is probably easier, a picture worth a thousand words. Yeah. And we started to, um, to, to explore towards the base of the base of the growth fault. And let me just jump forward and I'm going to show you a, where we kind of were from an exploration perspective leading into this campaign. 
and um, really the approach. So if you looked at the Pine Bay area, which I'll just share with you right now, uh, this is all the drilling that had been done historically at the Pine Bay property before we started exploring the property in 2015. So you can see that those areas where the deposits were, that's the Pine Bay deposit that we discussed earlier being an updated mm -hmm. resource. And then this is the historic Souter deposit in the Centennial Mine. So that was that trend that we're talking that's north-south. And then if you look at all the drilling that we've done since then, again, we initially started and was focused on that alteration system in the Pine Bay area. And then utilizing IP, we made the discovery of Rainbow. Yep. And then this is kind of putting into context where Rainbow sits within that, that this kind of gap. So if you look between Rainbow right here in the Mill Rock Mountain, you can see it's very, vo you know, void of any kind of exploration, very limited drilling in the area. You know, you can see these, we'll call them gopher holes. There's no hole really more than 100 meters. Uh, these small black dots. Uh, yeah. They're anywhere in the vicinity of the base of this growth fault. So the only modern hole that we put out here was our hole 117, and there was another hole along strike to the south, but nothing in the, in the, the vicinity at all. So what we did last year, and we talked about in a lot of the news releases, but we started drilling uh, different isolated targets from historic data, whether it be uh, borehole EM data, surface VTEM data, uh, ground EM survey data uh, that we had in the database. Uh, and we really like the geology in this area. We discovered a new horizon up in this area. Uh, and then we had this big awful anomaly, anomaly B. So since that time, we've gone in and tested both anomalies. We got one hole that uh, successfully tested uh, in the middle of anomaly A. And then as you can see, we've got a number of holes that have been put into anomaly B uh, with a plan, again, as this is pending assays and geochem data as well, we can then focus on returning back to target area two where, where we started the campaign and follow up there. So in, in terms of what we've done, we've, we've gotten six holes into anomaly B. That's the largest anomaly. It's right at the base of the growth fault. Yep. Right. And you can kind of see where that sits in the, the stack sequencing. Uh, and in terms of the other targets, we mentioned the news release. Uh, this is another target we'll be testing right now. The, the, we have a, a drill on is the northern extent of this large chargeability ISO shell. Yep. Uh, and that would be something else that would be, again, directly between Rainbow and Anomaly B would be this chargeability ISO shell. So those. Sorry. In, 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 in the news release, you talk about Anomaly MB, which you've just pointed out. Yes. Um, you also talk about targets one, two, and three. Can you show right. me where they are on, the, on this image? And this is where targets one, two, and three are. Okay. And so that's separate to that ISO chargeability shell that you were just showing me. Right. So this ISO shell right here, we didn't formally announce as a target area as we we're interpreting the data. And we've just added that as a target that we're testing in the near term immediately. If there's actually a drill on site, we mentioned that. That's the target we mentioned is between Anomaly B and Rainbow uh, as a sixth target area that was previously unannounced. We'll do okay. this area here. Okay, so so I've got my in my notes that you're refining the geophysical targets around target one, and that's what you're talking about. No, the targets are refining around target one is right here. So uh, okay, target area okay. one. We had drilled this one twenty hole uh, early in 2021, and really, when you look at the stratigraphy 
and the horizons out there, you've got to make sure that you have your loops laid out. I don't get too technical on how to do a four hole EM survey, but your loop layout is really critical in terms of what area of the hole uh, and what geology that you're lighting up from a conductivity perspective in kind of focusing your, your borehole uh, strength towards. So we want to make sure before going back uh, and following up on this, Julian, from going from east to west on that the topography, there's a shoreline over here. Uh, we want to make sure that the hole's put in the right place because we, this is a coincident surface pole CM in, in charge with the ISO shell. And because we have a hole in the area, it makes much more sense to go out and improperly reprobe that with a different loop layout in terms of incremental costs to really refine that prior to testing that. Um, okay. So that's what that was referring to when we referred to, to refining the target area one. Okay, thank you. And just going back to your anomaly B and the six holes that you've got in, into it, do you, can you see things like sulfide content and the stringers and the massive sulfide zone that you would normally associate with a VMS deposit? We haven't announced uh, any results or anything we've seen visually from, uh, okay. from the, the drilling there that will be pending. Uh, right. You know, I think that from a vectoring standpoint, we have announced in Anomaly A's case that, you know, that was a new horizon out there. So we do like the area very much. And in terms of vectoring, I mean, I think, you know, look at Rainbow's case, uh, you know, we like to see success early on in, in, a, in a testing a target area. I think, again, there's indications that we like the area uh, for more ways than one. But in terms of anything that we've intersected that hasn't been announced yet, and we'll look, look to announce that in a really a cohesive way when we get all the assays results back. When you keep in mind a lot of these holes from exploration, these deeper exploration holes or deep holes on a rainbow, they can take a very long period of time to drill. You know, in some cases you're talking three and a half weeks to a month to drill a hole, process, ship it, and then at least another three weeks for assay turnaround. Uh, so yeah. those lags are gonna keep in context to an ongoing exploration campaign, um, but certainly we're looking to come back uh, to this area, uh, we just wanted to take a pause from this area, give them the opportunity to come test that target area between Anomaly B and Rainbow, and then get back to target area two where we started the campaign, right? So there's you know a lot of logistical planning on accessing various targets uh, during certain parts of the drill season, uh, and that's really what we're managing right now. Thank you. Could you drop the image, please, now? Yeah, oh, sorry about that. What are the constraints um, on the logistics? Obviously, water. Do you do barge drilling or do you drill from shore and on ice in the winter? So we do do barge drilling. That's what we're in the process of doing actually for target area two, which is the next target that we could have, I can show you. But essentially, we're testing target area two. When we test target area two, we've always liked that area. Um, this is our eighth pull into that area, uh, just in generally, you know, the sourdough region, I should say, not target area two itself. Uh, based upon the borehole EM data, as well as the, the data that we hit in, in the drill that's pending assay results, uh, we wanted to immediately be able to follow up. So we are looking to bring a barge in and actually conduct a barge drilling campaign or part of the campaign off of a barge to follow up to target area two, because it is a very high priority uh, for us to follow up in this campaign, uh, given the results there after the first hole. Uh, it just takes a bit of time to be able to plan those type of things out. Uh, you know, whether it be ice drilling or barge drilling or even land drilling, I mean, you need to plan on yeah. pushing roads in, you need to get your permits in place and what have you. Uh, Manitoba is a great jurisdiction, uh, very supportive for mining. I mean, the community is obviously extra supportive given what's gone down in, 
at 777 more recently. Um, but again, nothing that is out of the realm of what we're used to dealing with uh, from an exploration front in Manitoba. And you can also see that the topography is, is um, favorable for exploration. I mean, you, you have a lot of outcropping, as you can see from Mill Rock Hill. I didn't get a chance to see Mill Rock Mountain, but it's, it's very similar in the same. Um, and that flat topography makes it really conducive to getting work done. Just on the 777 mine closing, uh, is there an operating mine in the area still, or you know, um, how many? Well, what's the situation like? Or is that the, was that the last the last operating mine? That's the last operating mine in Flintflon for now. Uh, I say for now because you know I see a, a bright future for where we're on to, and what our objectives are has always been to extend the life of Flintflon in its rich uh, mining history. Uh, with that being said, you know, in terms of its, I like to say the sister city or town and community would be the Snow Lake area, the Flintflon Greenstone Belt. We have Lala producing, uh, but that's a completely different production center. That's, you know, have their own mill um, with Lala and the new Britannia uh, complex and everything going on out there. And Snow Lake is completely independent. In terms of what's happened at 777, 777 is officially shut down about a month ago. Uh, so that's complete. that's, you know, being unwound. Uh, How many employees point, were there? 785 direct jobs. Wow. Of course, you know, the auxiliary employees in the area. Um, in terms of, you know, job losses, it's going to be quite excessive. There have been some transfers over to the Snow Lake area. Some employees uh, that were retirement eligible took that option. Uh, and then others, of course, are going to meet the fate um, that no one really wants to see happen uh, in terms of layoffs. So, uh, yeah. you know, the kind of guidance given by HUD Bay is that, you know, this is going to be put on care and maintenance, and that's always been an opportunity uh, utilizing that infrastructure. Um, certainly that still exists and hasn't changed. Um, you know, we're just focused on, you know, meeting our objectives, you know, at the time constraints that we can, you know, meet them by. And yeah. Everything takes time. This is a time intensive business in general. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, holes take three weeks to drill sometimes, and that's just the nature of, uh, of what we're up, up against. Uh, but the reality is, is that Rainbow is, is a significant discovery. You can see that uh, when you put it into context where we think we're going. I mean, you can do your, from your experience and your expertise back at where we're at. You can see that Rainbow is, is definitely going to stand out based upon Flintflon's history. And um, if we're able to have some success on the exploration front, which we have a huge amount of uh, confidence in, uh, that's just inherently how I am as a person, or we wouldn't have made the first discovery. I think, you know, in terms of us as a team, we're all believing we're going to make another discovery. And that's how you make discoveries. You know, you got to start out with the mindset that you're going to make the discovery to put yourself in a position to make the discovery. So I think we're well on the way uh, to being and putting ourselves in that position with testing the targets, you had to keep in mind context. You know, when we made the discovery of Rainbow, we had three different target areas. You know, Rainbow was a target area one, it was the largest target of the ISO shell that we tested on a much smaller piece of the land package. And now we kind of, you know, put together the pieces of a, a regional puzzle, taking in context where things sit in really in flim flum with those major discoveries. It really just highlights the exploration potential that we haven't even touched uh, at the property this year, 100 years later, you know, 100 years from when they started doing exploration in the area, which is truly yep. uh, spectacular in many ways to think we've spent so much time and energy in this area. Rainbow is just the start.
but from an exploration potential to have that, you know, untapped area in, in proximity to the base of the growth poles uh, is really spectacular. Yeah. No, great. Um, really interesting. And so, so your your news flow over the next six months. Let's say they were conf- let's look at the news flow to the end of this year. It's going to be ongoing drilling, um, yeah. ongoing drill results, uh, uh, updates from where you've got to in the drilling, and then kind of associated with that results coming through. Um, and then the, I guess the biggie is your kind of maiden resource estimate. Well, the maybe twofold. I think the results are. In, in, in leading up to the, the big one, which would be the, the main resource, but also another discovery would be a big catalyst. It's a twofold approach, right? Yeah. It's to show what we have and the potential obviously remains at depth in what we have. Yeah. And then to add in, you know, I like to call them, you know, siblings in, in some ways, sister discoveries, you know, yeah. father and sister, you know, if rainbows, you know, the sister, where's the big brother? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, not yeah. to say that Rainbow is not the big sister because Rainbow yeah, yeah. It has a lot of potential and, and, and she's already showing that it can be very sizable if you look at relation to anything else. But where's the twin? Yeah, I mean, well, just, bigger, just you will go along that growth fault. The, the, the trend is your friend, you know. And so, uh, should we get another one? I think it instantly unlock a lot more value uh, and expiration, uh, unlock an expiration potential on the property that might not be realized in the company, certainly at the valuation we are. So, you know, the meat on the bone is Rainbow and Pine Bay. Uh, and then the sizzle will be any kind of exploration success we have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you're, you're probably not allowed to do it, but um, I can, you know, if you look at Rainbow, 700 meters of vertical depth between the 100 meters and the 800 meters and 100 meters, even if I chop it down to 100 meters strike width. And if I add up the various layers, call it 10 meters for my simple maths, it's seven hundred thousand. Um, that's meters cubed as a kind of a as a base case, and you take your density, whatever it is, two point eight, two point seven, maybe three. Um, you're up at around two million tons, and that's just without even blinking. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd mean, be very, very, very conservative. That, that um, is, that is, yeah. I mean, I've, I've deliberately taken a very conservative approach, and then you maybe add on another million tons in in. Um, Pine Bay, kind of that's the historic, and then you've got all of the depth extent. You've got all of the the the, the triple lenses. The 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 fact that the strike is not a hundred meters, but it's one hundred and thirty to one hundred and fifty. You know, you can see how the what did you call it? The meat on the bone uh, is there, and then you can add on the the the, the sizzle would come through uh, making sister kind of, sibling dis, sibling discoveries. Yeah, any kind of discovery that would come on. Would be even adding because that'd be instantaneous resource growth. And I think if we're to hit anything on the property, particularly anything between Rainbow and Mill Rock Mountain, you know, instantly you could argue, well, it's going to be at least the size of Rainbow or larger from an exploration potential. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Just because where it sits on the growth fault and the trend in terms of deposit sites, size is going from Don John at 60,000 tons all the way to Rainbow, where Rainbow comes out within the first. You know, 800 meters of surface open at depth, right? I mean, it's, you know, they consistently get larger as you go from east to west. Uh, and you see the same thing in Flint Flon. The, the difference in Flint Flon is at the base of the growth pole, there's nothing past the Calinan 777, right? So yeah. you have 62 million tons, then you have, uh, you know, collectively 32 million tons roughly between, you know, Calinan at 8 million tons and, and 777 roughly 26 million tons, you know, roundabout. 
So, yeah. you know, those are the two within the first two kilometers of the surface. And if you look where we're at, you have rainbow 1.7 kilometers away. That'd be analogous to the top of the Kalanan. And then the depth extent would be similar, to, you know, in many ways to what, what 777 becomes. The difference being is that we're, you know, near vertical of, uh, just about 82 degrees near vertical uh, plunge, as opposed to, uh, you know, the system at, at Kalanan 777 is dipping at a 55 degree angle. Right, so it's much more steep, steeper of a situation for all the deposits, whether it be Pine Bay or Rainbow at the Pine Bay project. Yeah, no, got it. Exciting times. Um, we're all dealing with terrible markets at the moment. Um, but you, I mean, clearly you've got the support. Or you, I, I should imagine you've got the support of the local community with the closure of the 777 mine. So I think everybody uh, interested in the long-term future of, of um, Flinflon community is kind of willing you on for success. What's the um, what's the the commentary you're receiving in the market at the moment? Yeah, I know we, it's a terrible market at the moment. Metal prices have been all over the show. The junior sector has sold off. Um, you know, what what's the commentary you're getting from your shareholder base or from, from investors? Well, I think everyone that we've spoken with is very very uh, longer term. You know, has this optimistic on everything. In shorter term, I mean, it's just. Pick a name. It's been a, a tough market for everybody, so I, I don't think anybody's pointing us and going, "Oh, you know, Calix is an underperformer." I don't think certainly we are an underperformer by any stretch of the measure. I think we, you know, if you look at the share price, we have come down, but we've come down on very, very low volume, and I, again, that points to supportive shareholder base in general and a very, very tight structure. You know, we had some really great uh, shareholders that added on to their position in the most recent financing and brought on some really well-established, well-respected uh, new shareholders like McKinsey. Uh, group out of Toronto, great track record. They've been following the story for going back to really 2015. Um, was one of the first meetings I had as CEO of Calinex, as well as Altius, uh, for an example. I mean, Altius has a, an underlying royalty that pre existed um, on the area that Rainbow was discovered. And to make an investment on an equity you know, standpoint uh, in support of that you know, says a lot. So, yeah. you know, all the shareholders are extremely supportive of everything. And um, a lot of them are using it as, a, as an opportunity to add to the position as well. So, you know, all ships rise in a rising tide. And when the tide comes down, you know, it's going to be a, a kind of a rough waters. Uh, and you somehow, you know, shipwrecks. But we're not in that position. We recapitalized the company uh, in April of this year and fully funded everything that we needed to do this year. So while the ocean remains choppy, um, the ship's heading in the right direction and the success will you know, I think continue to drive more success and, you know, having the community behind us is one thing. We also have the government of Manitoba and the policymakers behind us as well. So everyone's pulling together at a really challenging time uh, in support of what our bigger term objectives are. And that's to create a sustainable mining future for Flinfon. And that's a continuation of a long history. Uh, and I think there's a lot of exploration potential in Flinfon and beyond just Pine Bay. Uh, and I think the more that's highlighted, uh, the more support we get uh, the more the community that uh, will shine and the community will shine. Great. Well, message received loud and clear. Um, weather the storm, get through the choppy waters and uh, uh, keep delivering those results. And uh, I hope I look forward to talking to you later in the year, perhaps when the, the maiden resource is out um, and or if there's a new discovery to um, talk about. Absolutely. I'm excited to come back to discuss this. Great. Max, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me.